Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Today's episode is the third ever Hulk edition, where I create the greatest tennis player on the planet, the greatest player who's ever lived by going category by category and basically taking one player for each. Now, what makes this difficult, and it's been two years since I've done this, a lot has changed, my friends. The Hulk is going to have to go through a major renovation in version 3.0. If you're lost, if you are unfamiliar with this series, I have gained quite a bit of subscribers, thankfully, in the last two years. The way this works is I, I have categories. Okay, uh, the serve, the forehand, the backhand, the offense, the defense, and I have categories within those categories. And for each category, I pick one player who I believe is the best in that category. But here's what makes it hard. I can only use a player once. So if that was not the case, we'd be seeing a lot of Alcaraz and Nadal and Djokovic and Medvedev and all, all those guys. Same players over and over again because they're so good in so many areas. What makes this difficult and fun is that I can only use those guys once and I need to try to create the best player I can. Uh, don't take this too seriously. It's fun. It's games. Uh, it's hypothetical. But it is an exercise that I enjoy and um, obviously get involved in the comment section um, about where you think I've missed the mark. And um, you can build your own Hulk player if you want. Follow along in the comments. There's there's our Hulk right there in the flesh. So now let's go over his, his skills and his attributes. Now, uh, I did this two years ago, as I mentioned, okay? And... I am going to show you before each category what it looked like two years ago. So the 2.0, Hulk 2.0, the serve, slice was Nick Kyrgios, flat was Riley Opelka, and kick was John Isner. And I think that holds up pretty well. I believe those are probably um, still the three best servers in the world, but I have made changes this year. Uh, the categories are the same, slice, flat, and kick. But I have made some adjustments. Nick Kyrgios still is who I'm taking for the slice serve. Kyrgios has every serve in the book. Um, certainly a great flat serve, a pretty good kick serve, although I think there are plenty of better kick serves out there. Uh, I, I decide to use Kyrgios for the slice because I think that his uh, his placement when it comes to the spots are, are so good, and he's able to... Um, still hit the serve very fast while still achieving that beautiful slicing slider movement 
off the court on the deuce side or away from um, the returner when going T on the add side. So Kyrgios with the slice serve. Uh, flat serve, I've made a change. I've made it John Isner. Now, I know I made it Riley Opelka two years ago, but the fact is most aces that we see are flat serves. Many are sliced, but uh, most are flat. And a look at the stats in 2022. John Isner is still the king of the ace. He is acing opponents this season 25% of service points, which is insane. One in every four points. Riley Opelka is second with one in every five service points. He's at around 20%. So 25% versus 20%. That is a huge difference. I think the best way to utilize John Isner in this category is to put him under the, the flat serve where he can go for those aces. The kick serve is going to be Riley Opelka. And just like John Isner is the king of the ace, Riley Opelka in 2022 is the king of second serve points one. He leads that category. 58.2% in 2022 second serve points one for Riley Opelka. Uh, Isner isn't really even up there for this. Uh, second are guys like Pablo Carreño Busta and Novak Djokovic are second and third. Alcaraz is top five. You do have Kyrgios in there at fourth. So you can see what's so impressive about Opelka leading this category statistically is that um, most most of the guys who do well in this category it's because they are great at winning baseline points. It's not because their second serves are just that good, that dominant and overwhelming that they're able to win an incredible amount of second serve points just off of their serve. But that is clearly the case with Opelka, who is not one of the dominant baseliners in men's tennis, not even close, and still handedly is the best in the world at winning second serve points. So that brings us to our next category, which is athleticism. This is what it looked like in Hulk 2.0. Footwork went to Roger Federer. Strength, Nicholas Basilishvili. Strength basically just means power. Speed, Alex Dimonor. And endurance, Gilles Simon. So uh, we're getting a little bit old in this category. Obviously, Federer uh, has retired, so he is no longer eligible for uh, to be... Uh, part of the Hulk, and Jill Simone has also uh, retired. So we're going to have to make some changes here. But I've also made some changes to the athleticism categories. I've taken away strength. I think it was uh, it was kind of silly, uh, and I don't like it because there's already categories for the forehand and the backhand where I put heaviness. And if I have heaviness, it seems redundant that under athleticism I would put strength. Besides for the fact that I don't know that being strong physically always translates to players hitting it the hardest. So I'm just going to get rid of that altogether. And I'm going to boil down the athleticism category to footwork, speed, and endurance. So here we go. Footwork is Carlos Alcaraz. Look, uh, Alcaraz could be used really in all three or any of the three categories here in athleticism. And I do think that Alcaraz is the fastest player in men's tennis. But here's another example of trying to figure out where to use a guy like that. 
when it came to footwork, I wasn't quite sure how to replace Roger Federer. To me, Federer's footwork was something special, maybe the best we've ever seen in the history of the game. Um, and I think it's also so important. It's one of those categories that is really going to dictate how successful you are as a tennis player. And I just couldn't think of a lot of players who are worthy at this point uh, of being the Hulk footwork player. Uh, but I do think Alcaraz is. And let's face the reality of, of how movement is in tennis. You're generally not sprinting. Point in and point out, you're not sprinting. It's about those shorter distance movements around the court, how you're maneuvering your court positioning, and how you are getting into the best possible position uh, to hit the ball, um, shot in and shot out. And I just think Alcaraz's foot speed is remarkable. Uh, he's able to move forward and take time away very uh, fluently as Roger Federer did. He moves inside the baseline very well to attack short balls. And in the same breath, he's able to quickly retreat and get himself in the proper defensive position uh, just as readily. He never looks awkward when he's moving around the court. He is very good at running around his backhand to create the maximum number of forehands possible, which is a very important aspect of this footwork category. So I just think Alcaraz, look, he is at the moment probably the king of movement. And this footwork category is where I decided to use him. Speed, same thing as 2.0. Alex Minaur takes the cake again. I do think that there are some players who challenge him in the speed department. I would say Michael Lemur is up there. I would say Tommy Paul is up there. But Minaur is still probably the second fastest player in men's tennis behind Carlos Alcaraz. And I am using him once again for the speed category. Endurance, I'm going with Cameron Norrie. I think more and more tennis fans have heard this by now. But Cam Norrie actually has... A, a superhuman lung capacity and uh, heart rate capacity where he's able to put himself basically in the red in terms of heart rate, beats per minute, like like 200, like 220 or something crazy like that. And uh, most people are, are dying when their hearts are beating that fast. And Nori is able to chill there for minutes and minutes on end. He is off the charts when it comes to this endurance testing. This all comes from uh, Matt Little, uh, who is, uh, I think he has a role with uh, LTA, the Lawn Tennis Association. And, and uh, he was saying this crazy stuff about how Cam Nori has these oversized lungs and this incredible heart. Anyway, I've never seen him get tired. He doesn't get tired. He can go for days. And in the endurance category, Cam Nori is uh, is very, very deserving and very reminiscent of, of a Hulk. You know, Hulks are not normal humans, similar to Nori, who's not a normal human. The forehand is the next category. Hulk 2.0 had the heaviness of Dominic Team, the precision of Stefano Tsitsipas, the consistency of Andre Rublev, and the variety of Matteo Berrettini. And these are four forehands I absolutely love, even in 2022. So this holds up pretty well, but I am still making quite a bit of changes in this category, even though, I, again, I really love this forehand that I created two years ago. 
I'm, I'm also changing one of the categories. Instead of forehand variety, which I kind of said, oh, like who can mix it up between flattening it out and hitting heavy spin? Forget that. You know, I, I guess that's important. And I, I do like those micro varieties from the, from the baseline. But at the end of the day, I think what is becoming a very crucial and powerful weapon on the forehand side is the drop shot. So I am adding the drop shot to the the Hulk categories on the forehand side because if you have an incredible, threatening, powerful forehand that is going to back opponents up and you can follow that up with your drop shot to take away the depth of the court um, and to use that as a, as a tactic to keep your opponent honest, it's a very, very powerful thing. So I am introducing the dropper into the forehand category here. Heaviness, I am now going with Casper Rude, who um, I actually don't think has a heavier forehand than Berrettini, but I have decided to use Berrettini in another category. Uh, but I do think Rude has probably the second heaviest forehand after Berrettini. Uh, I do think that that potentially Nadal is, is right there as well. Um... I think Sarundalo is pretty high up there in this category, but I go with Rude. I think Rude, especially on clay, just has uh, a forehand that spins violently, and uh, the speed holds up. You know, it's not just a, uh, it's not just spinny. You know, he can also really rifle it uh, and um, get it through the court with the best of them. So heaviness, Casper Rude, uh, precision. Going with Felix Ojeh Aliassim, I do think he has one of the most potent forehands in the world, and I wanted to get a piece of the FAA forehand in this category. Now, similarly, I do think Tsitsipas is probably a little bit better than FAA in this category, but I decided to use Stefanos somewhere else. But uh, look, as much as Ojeh Aliassim can struggle with the forehand consistency, his accuracy is absolutely pinpoint, and I think it's a big reason why he has one of the deadliest forehands in the world. He takes it early, and he plays really, you know, he's able to play it close to the lines when he's uh, playing from attacking positions. So FAA, with that laser surgical precision on the forehand, is going to be who I go with in terms of precision. Now, before I reveal the consistency category, I want to be very clear about what it means. Good forehands are weapons. They're big. So in the consistency category, I have very little interest in putting someone in here who makes all their forehands but doesn't go for all that much on them. I mean, anyone can do that. These are pro tennis players. If you really ask them not to miss, guess what? They wouldn't miss. The key with the forehand consistency, and this is even more so true than the backhand consistency, I want someone who hits attacking forehands without missing. I want someone who can go after their forehand over and over and over again without missing. Aggressive margin is what I'm looking for here. And in this category, I decided... To bring Rafael Nadal into the mix. And I'm putting him there for forehand consistency as that is the kind of reliable attacking weapon that everyone absolutely wants. 
the the forehand consistency of Rafael Nadal. And and yes, you could use him certainly in the heaviness category here. You could even use him in the dropper category now. Category now, I would never waste a Rafael Nadal on something as you know. Uh, Auxiliary. I don't want to say unimportant, but auxiliary as the forehand dropper. But uh, Nadal with, you know, potentially the greatest forehand of all time um, could obviously be anywhere, you know, in here. But I- I'm going to go with consistency because, you know, his, again, his ability to just string together the aggressive forehands without missing is an absolute superpower. And one, I want my Hulk to have the dropper category uh this is a deeper cut um you'll notice that i've mostly used top players to fill out my hulk but dropper i'm going with lorenzo sinego he's got a great forehand drop shot he uses it frequently disguises it well great feel great touch sinego has uh the forehand dropper now we move on to the backhand i'll take a look uh or give you a look at how it looked two years ago. Heaviness, Stan Vavrinka. Precision, David Gafan. Consistency, Daniil Medvedev. And Slice, Dan Evans. This is another category that here in 2022, we're getting a little bit old with Vavrinka and Gafan who have fallen off a little bit. And as a result, there are certainly going to be some changes here. So the backhand in Tennis Hulk 3.0. Heaviness, I'm going to go with Dominic Team. Uh, now, it seems a little bit crazy to use him on the backhand instead of the forehand, but who has the biggest backhand in the world right now? I still believe it to be Dominic Team. Um, the heaviness category on the backhand side is almost always going to be a one-handed backhand. I think we've yet to see two-handers that are able to to hit the ball quite as big, especially with uh, while ma- maintaining RPM on the topspin as one-handers are able to do. And um, I'm loving Dominic Team here. I'm confident in that decision. Precision. I go with Taylor Fritz. Precision on the backhand means, um, first of all, you're able to maintain great depth. I think that's very important. More so on the backhand because it's generally not going to be quite as big a shot as the forehand. So you got to keep it deep in the court. And uh, Fritz has incredible timing and accuracy when he changes on his backhand down the line. But even more so, uh, the the backhand cross court of Taylor Fritz is hit close to the lines on such a consistent basis. He's able to kind of bring those angles and rarely... Does Taylor Fritz make the mistake of hitting a cross-court backhand that doesn't uh, doesn't go cross-court enough and the opponent is able to run around and hit a forehand, which you definitely don't want when you're hitting cross-court backhands. So Fritz, uh, really, really precise and accurate backhand. And one of the best two-handers in the world, maybe even a little bit underrated. The consistency department... I'm going to go with Alexander Zverev. Daniil Medvedev is who I went with two years ago, and I still think Medvedev has the most consistent backhand in the world. But once again, uh, I wanted to use Medvedev somewhere else, and I think Zverev is right up there with him. Medvedev, I think, just misses a tad less than Zverev, but still, uh, here is someone who, whether he's trading, attacking, 
either one, um, or defending. You're rarely going to see Zverev miss a backhand without um, being under a ton of pressure. It's incredibly solid, stable, consistent, absorbs pace well, all that good stuff. So consistency uh, is Zverev. Uh, slice, no change here. It's still Dan Evans. Uh, I, I thought about Grigor Dimitrov here. I think Dimitrov is certainly up there. Uh, but Evans, I think a little bit craftier on the slice. It's very close. Very close between Evans and Dimitrov. Defense. It is time for defense. The 2.0 Hulk had Gail Monfils on the backhand. Grigor Dimitrov on the forehand, and Diego Schwartzman on the return. A pretty old category here, and all three are going to be different here in 2022 for Hulk 3.0. Same categories, backhand, forehand, return. Backhand is Daniil Medvedev. The way he is able to keep two hands on the racket and drive his backhands, even when on the dead run, even from difficult positions, the depth he is able to achieve, which is the, the singular most important thing when you're defending, is to try to get the ball deep. On top of that, his feel uh, for getting the ball low, despite being a very flat hitter, when he has to pass on his backhand side, also exceptional. Um he is almost never rushed on his backhand. And um, he's just such a... It's so difficult to actually make progress by attacking the backhand side of the court when you're facing Daniil Medvedev. So I believe that he has the best backhand defense in the world. Um, him or, or Novak, I think you could go either way. I wanted to use Novak somewhere else, but Daniil Medvedev uh, takes the cake for backhand defense. Forehand defense, I'm going to go with Stefano Tsitsipas. I still think that Grigor Dimitrov is tremendous at defending the forehand um, on the run, but Tsitsipas has certainly overtaken Dimitrov a little bit stronger, hits that forehand uh, even bigger. He's got more uh, length, so I do think he covers the court a little bit better to the forehand side, and similar to Daniil Medvedev, who uh, rarely needs to throw up a defensive lob or uh, use defensive slice. Um, even when Tsitsipas is in tough positions, defensively on the forehand, he's st still able to hit relatively heavy drive forehands. Um, and, you know, Tsitsipas attacking him into that forehand wing, rarely are you going to gain an, an advantage in the point because Tsitsipas is so strong on the running forehand. The return, I went with Diego Schwartzman, um, but I'm going to go this time with Novak Djokovic, who still just gains such an advantage with his return of serve, which is a defensive shot. Notice I put this under defense because the return is inherently defense. You are defending what is the fastest shot in men's tennis, the most aggressive shot in men's tennis, which is the serve, and, and Djokovic consistently just neutralizes that advantage. You look at what he did last year, uh, beating Matteo Berrettini across all three surfaces at slams. You look at what he did this year at Wimbledon, conquering the best 
server in the world who contends. You know, Isner Opelka aside, Nick Kyrgios on grass, conquering that serve. Look, the Novak Djokovic return is a, a, a huge difference maker. It is a match winner. And the Hulk is going to really benefit from having Djokovic's return, um, which is probably the greatest return of serve of all time, defensively especially. Uh, you could make an argument uh, maybe for uh, Agassi and Connors offensively, uh, but Djokovic in terms of just neutralizing massive first serves, it doesn't get much better than that. The 2.0 offense, sorry, the 3.0 offense, but first let me show you the 2.0 offense from a couple years back. For volleys, Feliciano Lopez on the rise, who takes the ball early, who has that ability to uh, time the ball and play on the rise, very, very important. Uh, that went to Fabio Fanini, and aggression went to Denis Shapovalov. The categories are unchanged. Uh, the, the aggression category really means who has that mentality to have that offensive intention whenever possible. Who has that, that killer instinct? Who's going to take that initiative at all times? That unwavering confidence to go after your shots. That is the really the, the, the essence of the aggression category. All right, volleys this time goes to Maxime Cressy. Yes, the only serve and volleyer on tour, but let's face it. Why is Maxime Cressy able to serve and volley with success? It's because he has the best volleys in the world. It's because nobody can handle a low volley with the comfort and consistency as Maxime Cressy. And all those extra in-match reps that Cressy benefit, benefits from as a byproduct of his play style, that certainly translates into him being the best volleyer in the world. I have no doubt about it. For on-the-rise play, I'm going with Andre Rublev. Man, he uh, does such a great job of holding the baseline. He has compact strokes uh, and just plays on the rise um, so well in terms of how he kind of measures his... Uh, the trajectory of his ground strokes when he's taking the ball early on the rise. And a big thing with Rublev, uh, he doesn't quite hit it as as hard as some of the very, very hardest hitters in the world when it comes to uh, just pure miles per hour. But everyone agrees that it looks like he's hitting it as hard as anyone. And, you know, if you're playing him, it feels like he's hitting it as hard as anyone. And that's because even if he's not hitting the ball quite as big as Dominic Team or Matteo Berrettini, he's hitting it earlier. So, you know, you take that time away and it's as if he's hitting the ball 100 miles per hour, even if he's only hitting it 90 miles per hour. For aggression, I'm going with Marin Cilic. Now, certainly Denis Shapovalov could have been the, the choice for this once again. Shapovalov has maintained his ultra-aggressive mindset. Uh, but I do think that uh, Chilich does it in a way that's 
a little bit more understandable, a little bit more responsible. Uh, I just love the way Chilich um, continues to kind of go after his shots whenever the opportunity arises and does so uh, with with a hint, a hint of, of patience, I would say, uh, but not too much. I, I think there's a good balance there. Uh, it's kind of a, a weird category, but I, I do love how Chilich is is maximizing his shot selection at this point in his career by by really going after the return of serve, the second serve return especially, and to maintain that offensive pressure at all times. The next category is mental. And as you can see, Hulk 2.0 was stacked mentally. I used Rafael Nadal for fight. For shot selection, I went with Roberto Bautista Agut, probably the most disciplined shot selection guy in the world. And for pressure, I went with Novak Djokovic. You got to remember that at that point, uh, Novak, man, in I, I think the year was was 2020, uh, he was winning every single tiebreak, every single deciding set, every major final that he played in. It was just ridiculous. And while Djokovic has still maintained uh, that incredible play under pressure, there's no doubt about that. Um, I still decided to use him elsewhere uh, to, to use his return instead this year. So someone else will be heading into that pressure category, which is basically who manages their nerves best. Categories are unchanged for the Hulk 3.0 here. For fight, I'm going with Yannick Sinner. I've been a fan of how Yannick has competed throughout the season. He's really dug deep. He's uh, he's played through injuries with, uh, responsibly. Uh, at many points in the year, you know, I don't, I don't want players to to risk injuring themselves further. But when it comes to blisters or something like that, or being a little bit ill, uh, I do think it's good to show some um, some fight because he's actually won some matches at less than a hundred percent, which is something that I have admired. Yannick Sinner has also been tremendous in um, deciding sets where the legs might be feeling it, but but you have to dig deep, you have to find a way. And uh, Sinner has been able to do that. Let me get the stat for you. Sinner this year, 15-7 and seven in deciding set matches. Although he has cooled off a little bit as of late. Um, but I really like, you know, the fact that, look, Sinner is not this really, really fiery guy um, like, let's say, uh, Nadal is, right? He's not outwardly as fiery, but... I'm telling you, point in and point out, especially watching him live, which I got to do so much at the U.S. Open, this man plays every single point the same. Never checks out and just kind of goes through his routines and is always focused and locked in and, and wants it really, really bad and is able to win with less than his best, which is the, the most important thing in this category when it comes to fight is are you going to keep competing even when everything isn't going your direction. And I think Sinner has embodied that as of late. Shot selection. I'm going to go with Andy Murray. I'm going to go with Andy. Look, he is uh, a great tennis mind. Um, really delves into the analytics. Sometimes he can overthink. But, you know, I, I think that when it comes to the Hulk player, we're not worried about overthinking. All right, we have confidence in our skills. So I like that savvy shot selection, that ability to follow a game plan, uh, but also discipline. You know, Murray Murray does not ask himself to do too much, um, more than he's capable of. He always has a, a good sense of his capabilities. And while 
Um, his shot selection has certainly been kind of called into question in terms of should he be more aggressive. Uh, I think that he does deserve a lot of credit for really uh, making his opponents earn everything and staying true to how he feels you know, he needs to play in order to give himself the best chance to win. But ultimately, I do think that Murray is always present. He's always thinking on the court. And he has a really good feel for where his opponent is. Um, he, he has, you know, good uh, good variety in terms of mixing it up and never becoming too predictable. Uh, I like Andy Murray as uh, for the shot selection. I really like to have that kind of tennis mind behind our Hulk 3.0. For pressure... Matteo Berrettini, I've been saying this for a couple years now, but I don't see Berrettini getting tight out there. Now, I've gotten some pushback on this uh, because some people want to see Berrettini, you know, pull off these big, enormous wins over top players. But look, I, I just think he has weaknesses and holes in his abilities that prevent him from gaining these victories. At the end of the day, the reason why Berrettini is able to almost never get upset by lesser opponents, especially at majors, right? Here's a guy who plays way better at majors than he does the rest of the year. Why is that? Because the man eats pressure for breakfast. The dude, the dude gets better in the biggest and most nervous situations. And that is what I'm looking for here. I'm looking for a guy who wins tie breaks. He's 13 and 7 in tie breaks this year. He's 18 or he was 18 and 7 in tie breaks a year ago. He also led the tour in break point saved percentage last year and this year he's doing pretty well in that category once again. He's 6th in 2022 behind guys like Kyrgios, Opelka, Isner, uh Hercoc and the last guy Jack Draper. Shout out to him. Uh, but 70% break points saved percentage. And then if you look at service points one percentage, Berrettini is at 68.6%. What does that tell you? He's actually better when he faces break points. I'm telling you, Berrettini is a mental giant. Next up is the other category. I'll tell you how it looked a couple years ago in version 2.0. Looks was Alexander Zverev. I kind of cringe at that now, but uh, Zverev was, you know, I, I, I think I felt like I had to find a place for him. You know, he's a top 10 player. I couldn't find a place for him. I thought that he fit the bill in this category, but um, I don't know that I'd keep him there. Uh, Swagger, Karen Hatchinov, um, and clothing, Kane Ishikori, with the, the Uniqlo kits that I all, I still do. I think uh, Kay looks tremendous generally in his Uniqlo kits. But uh, there's going to be changes here with the other. You know, it's not just about tennis. All right. You also want to look good, feel good. And uh, in the looks category, I'm going with Grigor Dimitrov. Now, look, I understand he's getting up there in age. And I, I know that the time has kind of uh, some people have started to, to look the other way on Grigor Dimitrov and they're into these kind of these new uh new emerging talents like a Jack Draper for example but uh to me Grigor Dimitrov hasn't lost a bit all right don't sleep man still's got it still has it Grigor Dimitrov in the looks category of uh, swagger 
Francis Tiafo, who I got to say a big improvement. Look, I, I know Hatchinoff struts around the court with this kind of confident walk. And I think that's why I put him for the swagger category in version 2.0. But uh, let's be honest, Tiafo uh, is, a, is a huge upgrade here with the way he holds his follow through after hitting volley winners, the way he, he uh, interacts and engages with the crowd, how if he hits a running pass, and then he's next to the the stands. He starts high fiving fans. Um, I mean, he's got the full package, and I I do think that the way he kind of has fun with his swagger filled uh, body language and uh, kind of way about going around the court, I do think it helps his tennis. I really do. Clothing, I thought. For uh, I spent way too much time considering this category. Way too much time because, uh, in all, I I'm not all that impressed with with anyone at the moment. Uh, I'm gonna go with Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Davidovich Fokina has been rocking Diadora, which is kind of a, a more unique clothing sponsor on tour, which I like. Bonus points for unique. Uh, but really, the reason I go with ADF is because of the uh, mismatching socks. That he has implemented into his wardrobe, which is uh, something different, fresh, eye-catching, and I think it works. You know, it's become somewhat of a signature for Davidovich Fikina, and I, I love the inventiveness. Again, I, I do think that it, it looks quite nice, and um, I'm all for it. So Alejandro Davidovich Fikina and his Diodora setup, his kit, is going to be what Hulk 3.0 is rocking on the court. That'll do it for our Hulk 3.0 creation. Again, feel free to get involved in the comment section where you agree, where you disagree, build your own Hulk. Have at it. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.